You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It's Tuesday the 26th of October. Bright, breezy morning here in TW11. Quite warm for the time of year as well. And the international racing scene is truly hotting up with the Melbourne Cup just a week away, with the Breeders' Cup just 10 days or so away, and we're expecting official pre-entries out a little bit later on today. With that in mind, I'll be talking to Nahiro Goda, our correspondent from Japan, because it looks as though Japan are going to have a record-breaking entry in this year's event, and it could well be that they have at least a winner. Your Japanese Breeders' Cup pointers coming your way later in this show. It's also a great privilege as part of our Weatherby's weekly bloodstock trip round the world to head to France to talk to the legendary cricket head Marek. Uh, not just about her training career, but this time more about the stud which her father Alec founded with the help of her grandfather Willie back in the 1950s and which she and her siblings are now nurturing, the famous Ara Duquene. That's all to come, but first of all, closer to home and Frankie tori has got a book out. He's also got a film out next month. So much puff, so much publicity, so much dream of consciousness that people in the racing world will breeze through and think they've all heard before. But he's given an interview to Simon Hattonston in The Guardian today which is a little different and touches on some really important points that he may have dropped rather nonchalantly into conversation but which still resonate pretty hard. Cornelius Leiser is with me this morning. Uh, Cornelius, what's he been saying? The Guardian's done uh, a wide-ranging interview. Turned out, Fra- turned out Frankie wasn't there uh, when the interviewer turned up because he'd gone to uh, pay a surprise visit to uh, one of his children in, in London. But once he came back, uh, he talked about lots of different things about eating disorders uh, with him in mind. And in fact, he says after he got um, that uh, cocaine ban uh, for 18 months, I thought I was a leper. I just couldn't get a ride. And he was asked, did it change you? Yes, I was massively depressed. I became bulimic, um, uh, suffering from bulimia. Um, uh, and uh, he, he then says things like, um, it, it, it's common for a jockey, but I was looking at food as a, as, as a comfort. I felt I was finished without my uh, own control. And that's a very scary thing when you're a sportsman. So he was really concerned about his future. Uh, he'd left Godolphin. He'd been banned. Uh, and as we know, uh, and I remember this so clearly that, that summer of 2017, or 2016, I should say, uh, when he uh, he won the derby and it, it was uh, the resurgence of Dettori. So there's lots of good stuff in this interview about uh, that. The other thing, um, he, he talks about um, instances of, very sad instances of suicide in, in horse racing and that then gets him on to talking about bookmakers um, and um, about the amount of money bookmakers make out of racing and uh, in some respects, in, in many people's views, don't put enough back in. The bookies are fleecing, bookmakers are fleecing my sport, he said. It's ridiculous. They're a billion pound industry. They make so much money out of racing and we still race for the same prize money as we did in the 80s. If the money doesn't trickle down, by the time it gets to the bottom, there is uh, not a lot there. That's why stable lads go around on bicycles and haven't got any money. 
Um, well, that, that is a, a point of view being put forward by a very high profile member of the racing community. Uh, so it will um, chime with many for that reason. I suppose, though, um, Frankie Dettori does open himself up to accusations of hypocrisy because he's been uh, considerably sponsored by uh, one major bookmaker and he is sponsored by another book uh, betting organisation right now. But um, the interview in The Guardian newspaper available around the world via The Guardian uh, website is extremely entertaining and perhaps more, rather more wide ranging than you'd expect. Um, so that's Frankie Dottori, who's, uh, whose book is going to be out very soon. Uh, and is and film said the is, film soon as well, isn't it? The film is coming out in, in November as well. So um, perhaps expect a, a little bit more of that. But I thought that was a fascinating, <laughs> a fascinating uh, the book in The Guardian. The book is called Leap of Faith, which I think is great because I suspect now, as Frankie is 50 years old, when he leaps off his horse, there is perhaps a bit more of a leap of faith than there was once upon a time. But um, I suspect the, the book will be entertaining. And it'll be on quite a lot of uh, Christmas present lists. And uh, I think it would be a, a, a pretty popular uh, thing for, for people to be reading in that post-Christmas period. Now, as we've heard over the last day or so, you need a leap of faith to take horses to, to Australia to race. Joseph O'Brien did with glorious consequences, as you know, a state of rest won the Cox Plate. But uh, he has made it very clear how he feels about the rigour of the checks that the horse had to undergo before competing. Yeah, um, it's a nightmare, the headline on the story about Joseph O'Brien in uh, the Racing Post uh, newspaper, and he's called for a review of the process. Wonders uh, out loud if he'd gone, if he'd known exactly what the horses had to go through. I suspect he probably would have done because his is the type of operation which uh, confronts certain things and works out how it sorts itself out and, and gets through it okay. I suspect it's a, a balanced thing, probably, isn't it? The, the authorities in Australia believe that screening levels, veterinary screening levels, have to have had to be raised in order to do as much as possible to av avoid the kind of welfare issues and consequent headlines that have been too much part of particularly the Melbourne Cup story in recent years. They're doing it for the first time. Some of the technology is proving quite troublesome. The trainers like Joseph O'Brien, uh, who runs Twilight Payment in the Melbourne Cup, uh, are doing it for the first time as well. So people have got to get used to it. Things will probably change after this year. Uh, but as uh, we have said before, I would imagine, just like the, the Grand National in the UK after 2012, welfare issues are potentially existential uh, for, for this kind of iconic horse racing event. You know this, I know this. I'm sure Team Joseph O'Brien knows this uh, as well. But um, all that said, uh, he's quoted in this article, quoted in this report, saying that um, uh, State of Rest, uh, the winner of the Cox Plate at the weekend with Johnny Allen riding, uh, had to be sedated four times in one week for one particular scan. That uh, that does seem uh, an awful lot. Um, talking of those screenings, um, they have uh, ruled out uh, a local horse, Young, Worth from the the Melbourne Cup this week. Less um, Europeans uh, taking part in in uh, this Melbourne Cup. Twilight Payment will be there. We expect Spanish Mission, uh, which won the Yorkshire Cup, memorable third in the uh, Gold Cup at Royal Ascot, uh, gave Stradivarius a big fright in the Lonsdale Stakes. We expect Spanish Mission to be there. And away he goes. That um, ran a terrific race when runner up behind Trushan in the Goodwood Cup at Glorious Goodwood. Uh, will be going there uh, as well. So still plenty of interest in the Melbourne Cup. 
Well, it's not just Joseph O'Brien or his father Aidan who can send horses from Europe to both the Melbourne Cup and the Breeders' Cup. The small Newmarket stable of Ishmael Mohammed is notching up that notable double this time with Goodwood Cup runner-up, as Cornelius was saying, away he goes down under and Zane Claudette, one of the better two-year-old fillies of her generation, running in the Breeders' Cup juvenile fillies turf. I've been speaking to Ishmael. I first of all asked him what difficulties he'd faced getting his Melbourne Cup contender down under and ready to run. See, this is my dream, actually, to go to Melbourne to improve our, our stables for Group 1. Uh, it was a little bit hard to get there, you know, you have to be the system quarantine. Uh, this is not only for Ismail Muhammad, they will be for everybody, all the trainers. I think there was more than eight to ten horses, they, they entered to go there and they, in the end they go only three horses, uh, two from UK and one from Ireland. And what is it about this horse that you think makes him an ideal candidate for the Melbourne Cup? Uh, see, the horse was improved himself when I ran, I ran him in Goodwood, and he came uh, second in the group one. And the horse also he ran in Dubai last year, and he, he, he loved the distance, you know. I, I say it's better to go with the two miles with the horse. And tell me a little bit about who is looking after him in, in, in Australia, how he's training, and who's going to be riding him in the race? Actually... Who's uh, riding every day? My jockey, the Italian Jackie, jockey, and we are with him every day. And we are with the video, and we are talking with him. And who's riding up to now? With the, uh, we are waiting because uh, I try with the jockey of the Australian McAvoy, and they have the system routines from the you know from the city to city. We are trying to get one good jockey from same city. Okay, so you're just you're still on the lookout for a jockey for away he goes, but very exciting runner nonetheless, and and he's obviously training well. You run Zane Claudette in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf. She's got some of the best juvenile fillies form in Europe this year. How's she been since she last ran? Uh, we uh, she's uh, in good form, and she works also. We work her around a mile, and we keep the jockeys for either, and I think. There is a racing post. He was talking last two days about him. Uh, she came back after the new market. She's very well. And uh, I hope uh, she should run good in uh, America because also this is the second my dream. This is the second, this is the second part of your dream, going to the Breeders' Cup? Yes. Yes. So the obvious question is, where will you be? Will you be doing the big quarantine in Australia or will you be heading to Del Mar? Actually, I cannot do it in Australia. It's difficult for me because the, the, the race is already almost a week from today. <laughs> yeah, if I will go, I have to be two, day, uh, two weeks uh, quarantine. Uh, I will be, I'm trying my best to be in America, yeah. Well, hopefully we will we will see you there. Um, big opportunity for you and for rider Ray Dawson. How is the atmosphere in the uh, Ishmael Mohammed stable at the moment with these two huge international runners? Uh, just really, um, I, I am very excited for that things because really this is the first year from when I was from 2012 in UK. This is uh, my dream to be uh, my stable. Really, is a small stable. But uh, we have some quality horses.
transition to jump racing, if we can, Cornelius. And mm. the, the first big steeplechase of the season taking place at the weekend, the Charlie Hall at Weatherby. Uh, what sort of field have we got assembled by the looks of it this time round? We heard from Harry Skelton yesterday, looking forward very much to riding Shan Blue in the race. Just remember being really struck by that horse uh, when winning the Corto Star Novices Chase uh, at Kempton last year. Last year's winner, Surname, uh, expected a big day for Surname because... Um, uh, surname pulled up in his most recent races um, this time last year I think we had a rating in the 170s is slipping into the 160s now it'd be fascinating to see how surname were to go and in fact if you look at ratings Shan Blue is rated miles behind so uh, he needs to be progressive if he is to uh, play a big part or indeed win this race there's a good hurdle race as well the bet 365 hurdle we're expecting to see Paisley Park in action in that race at Weatherbeef Emma Lavelle trying to keep up her very good start to the season. Vindication, who's a, a popular horse, um, is uh, due to race as well at Ascot. And uh, certainly in terms of entries this weekend, I should be looking at anything trained by Rose Dobbin. Rose and Tony Dobbin, her, her, Rose's husband, Tony, the Grand National winning jockey of yesteryear. Uh, they had three more winners at air on uh, Monday. That's 11 from 31 this season so far. Uh, Cornelius Racing Post today leading with the news that Michael O'Leary is, is back in the fray buying horses perhaps to the benefit of uh, of Gordon Elliott. Uh, what is there in this? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure it's um, it's a sort of breaking news type story, but it's, it's an indication of Michael O'Leary's continued support and continued very strong support for Gordon Elliott. He says uh, in this article in the Racing Post, I think we'll have 50 or 60 horses with him this year anyway. Um, we, we know that um, uh, Michael Leary, who races father, the maroon and white colours of the Jiggenstown High Stud racing operation, uh, there, there was an announcement about scaling back. Um, obviously, they're, they're scaling back and scaling back. There were hundreds of horses. There are perhaps uh, are, are not quite so many these days. He hasn't said that he's going forever, that he sees himself coming back in. This isn't a reversal of that decision to um, uh, to scale back, but is very much a, 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 a high-profile recognition of his support for Gordon Elliott during the troubled times that he's been having. Uh, Rachel Blackmore is back from injury, the Grand National winning and Cheltenham Festival leading rider last year, and she's back with winners. Yeah, double significance for the victory of the Henry de Bromhead trained Eklat Durea. Uh, in the Bet Victor M.W. Hickey Memorial Chase at Wexford. It was a very nice display by the horse which unseated the rider at Cheltenham, uh, but I love most of his jumping yesterday. And uh, on just a fourth ride back from injury for Rachel Blackmore, a first winner since Mary uh, Poppins fell at Killarney on the 16th of July, so out for three months with hip and ankle injuries. Huge interest in Blackmore's return, huge interest in Blackmore. She's the highest profile jump jockey, I was going to say, in Europe, but in the world, I suppose, after that, that success at the Cheltenham Festival and in the Grand National uh, on Manila Times, um, also trained by Henry de Bromhead, the first female jockey to win the Grand National. All positive stuff. Um, she's practically the definition of positive stuff in, in horse racing at the moment. So all the more ironic, I suppose, she returns into a sort of bubbling cauldron of negativity surrounding the alleged poor treatment of women riders in horse racing in the UK. 
And Cornelius, what did you make of the PJA statement that we discussed extensively yesterday uh, that called for a, an effective end to the Frost-Dunn case because of the way that it had played out? The British Horse Racing Authority it can't abandon this case as perhaps has, has been suggested um, and, and probably shouldn't abandon this case because these are very important issues. I'm not sure the principles involved would would necessarily want that uh, either. I, I, I think it's pretty unforgivable in terms of natural justice that this is still rumbling on. I know different people blame different uh, other different people about exactly why it's still rumbling on. But but if this was the British criminal justice system, the Today programme on BBC Radio 4, whose large audience John Goldston used so effectively to underline his point about uh, the BBC's negativity re-racing last week, they would do a five-minute feature on this with talking heads, wringing their hands to mix up my body part metaphors about what a scandal it was that it was still going on. Now, I don't know whose fault that is, but the fact is Hmm. that it has been rumbling on for a a very long time. And in terms of the second case with the unnamed jockeys, my understanding is that all the parties involved believe that it's been resolved uh, and they're very keen for for the authority to acknowledge that Um, You know, hands have been shaken and apologies uh, have been made. Well, the story of this year's Breeders' Cup at Del Mar at the end of next week could be the increased participation from Japan with way more entries than normal and way more likely participants. For more on this, Nihiro Goda, our well-known journalist and broadcaster from the Green Channel in Japan, who's a regular correspondent, on this show. Uh, Nihiro, exciting stuff. At the moment, uh, you will see seven Japanese trained horses will be pre-entered in Breeders' Cup card. But uh, yes, the best Japanese hope is Love's Only You, trained by Yoshitoya Hagi, who will be double cross-entered in turf and Fili on the near turf. Regarding the distance-wise, you know, I understand that 11 Fardom is a better, better trip for Love's Only You rather than Madame Half. And, uh, you know, the competition in the tough will be tougher than competition in Philly and Mayor Tough. So I hope, <laughs> I don't know which, which races Mr. Yahagi will select, but uh, I think, you know, I, I hope Love's Only You uh, is going to run competing against female horses in Philly and Mayor Tough. So Love's Only You, a big shout in the Philly and Mare turf. Van der Gaard is going to get an entry in the Breeders' Cup mile. Nahiro, where does he sit in the Japanese turf miling pecking order? Well, you know, I don't say Van Gaard is a, you know, one of the best milers in Japan, but as you know, you watched his performance in Dubai back in May Dan. You know, he finished second to lord north you know this is one of the best you know tough middle distance horses in europe so i think you know if van gelder can reproduce his form on del mar um i believe you know he has a chance to finish within faster three and faster four and i believe you know track del mar should suit him well now hideyuki mori has got two horses that are double entered in both the dirt mile and the sprint potentially they are jasper prince and ping shang tell me a bit more about them well jasper prince you know ran in the breeders cup sprint last year but uh, i believe you know that that mile is more suitable race for jasper prince you know jasper prince won listed race any stakes 
last time out. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I believe in the Heath now, uh, training well for Breeders' Cup uh, Mile. King Shan is, you know, he's uh, just the winner of the, you know, he's uh, not the greatest stakes winner. He's a runner competing in, you know, just below the class of the graded stakes. Um, between two horses, you know, I believe that Jasper Prince has better chance in that mile. And there are two more Jaspers that are, are likely to, to be entered. Uh, Jasper Great and Jasper Crone both have a an entry in the in the juvenile for, for Hideyuki Mori. One of those is co-owned by Godolphin, Jasper Crone. Where do they rank amongst the better two-year-olds in Japan? Well, I believe Jasper Great is a better horse than the other. You know, his, his, you know, his, his performance in Maiden was a really, really impressive. He won the Maiden on dirt by 10 lengths. That was, you know, his, you know, uh, first time out. You know, it was a really, really impressive performance. Um, but, well, of course, competition is very, very tough. But uh, I, I think, you know, Jasper Great is a very interesting runner in juvenile. From the same stable, Matera Sky in the in the sprint is a horse we know an awful lot about. Very, very tough, very fast. Could this finally be the day when, when the speed is stretched and Matera Sky doesn't get collared ho- close home? You know, seventh starts outside of Japan for Matira Sky. He's eight, but still, you know, he's you know kept in the top form. Um, as you saw, he ran a rap in Riyadh that spring. He's a very fast horse, and uh, yeah, I hope you know he has he he, he has you know chance to finish in first two or first first three in Breeders' Cup Spring. And Marsh Lorraine in the in the distaff is is she uh, got any sort of a chance? Well, uh, yes, definitely he is one of the best, you know, female runner on dirt in Japan. He's a, she's, she's a winner of the four uh, local domestic graded stakes in NAR. But, you know, the competition in this stuff is uh, very, very strong, I believe. For example, Letrizka is a really, really good horse. Um, I don't think, you know, Malachi Loren is going to have uh, any chance in this stuff. Now, here I go to there with a look at the Japanese contenders for this year's Breeders' Cup. So it's Tuesday, and that means it's time again for the Weatherby's Bloodstock segment. They're starting to finalise the entries for the next edition of the number one Global Stallion Guide, the Weatherby Stallion Book and Global Stallions app, with final stallion entries being received over the next week or so. Now, one farm which has long been a supporter of the Weatherby Stallion Book and currently has five stallions in it is the renowned Aradukene. And it's my great pleasure to be joined by Cricket Head Marek from Aradukene this morning. We know, uh, Cricket, all about your success as a, as a trainer, but breeding horses has been such a huge part of your family's life. Uh, Aradukene, uh, bought by your father uh, all those years ago. Uh, what do you think it was that, that prompted him to, to took the plunge in the 50s, in those, in those post-war years? Because he always loved breeding, you know. He works for the Aga Khan, for the Aga Khan, for Alicant, and he was helping him to do all his matings and things like that. And then for Vertemer, so you know, he's been always very involved in breeding. He bought a lot of horses for them, or became stallions and things like that. And he wanted to breed himself and find a stud. So when Le Kenne came on the market. First of all, he thought he wouldn't do it, but then his father helped him to, to buy it. So, 
And Lekene, of course, we've been, uh, he had great success with all his stallions. And Tell me a little bit about what Lekene looked like when your, your father, Alex, started to run it. By look, it was completely closed since the war. Because Macombert, who was the owner, left for America when uh, before the, the war uh, blow. So it was closed completely. The only thing who was on it was some cows. They were milking cows there and doing some uh, scythem, things like that. That was the only thing. But they had no horses since the war because uh, I suppose the German took all the, the stallions who were there before. Macombert's stock went, went to Germany, I think. So what would you say was the, the, the turning point? What was the, what was the first significant moment for, for your father at the stud? I would say when uh, Le Fabuleux, who was raised there, won the, the French Derby in 1964. That's where it really started to have big, great one winners and things like that. So he took him from 58, you know. And after the war, they had to, to do lots of work on it because uh, the German was living there. All the Germans, the uh, débarquement, were on the, the farm there. So when they left the farm, uh, the, the stable uh, was a, uh, a jail. So they had to replace a lot of things there. Uh, and the, the, the sheer amount of uh, not just physical energy but emotional energy that your your father has has put into in into this study is, is pretty extraordinary isn't it <laughs> yes it is well of course i'm a great fan of him so i won't say uh, i think he's done a, a fantastic job and he had lots of su- success i mean from the he bred a lot of group one winner uh, i think there's around four, 34 horses when group one so he had a lot of big wins, you know, like uh, Guinness and uh, Ark. And we, we had three horses, one four Ark. So we raise at Lekene. Uh, and what do you think is, is his underlying philosophy? What do you think drives everything he has done? <sighs> it's difficult to say, but uh, I think his knowledge because of course he learned but i mean his knowledge and and you know he was one of the first to go to america and bring um, blood from america so uh, that helped the french breeding to put speed in our horses and things like that and then he sold horses to to the state stallions like the fabuleux or bearing when there also so you know he did he did think that the american bred horses would help the French bred line who were more on stamina than speed. So he brought uh, Leafar and Riverman, eh? he brought them as a foal there and they became a great stallion. So, um, and lots of them, I mean, um, I can't name them all, but uh, they, they were, uh, and early, often later now, there was Anaba there. Who put a lot of speed on our mare, and Anaba seems to be a, a fantastic uh, broodmare of uh, Sarah Broodmare. So he was a real pioneer, a real innovator, someone who wasn't wasn't frightened of just shaking things up a bit to try and get the right results. The right results you provided so many times for the stud as a trainer. How much of an advantage did it give you when you were training these horses to have such an intimate knowledge of their bloodlines and and where they'd come from? 
my I knew them, you know, I, I could see them all the time. I was going uh, with him all the time. Each time he was going to the farm, I was going with him because I love breeding. So, and he explained me what to do and things like that. So I always listened to him and, you know, I think he's a, he's a, a very, very, uh, one of the greatest horsemen. But it's easy to say so because he's my dad. <laughs> but I mean, I mean... Uh, you know, you read a lot about Tezio and all those things, and you would say to me, read Tezio, the book, and then you will learn also. So he tried to, to understand everything, and he did. For me, uh, he was a successful uh, owner, trainer before that, and then as a breeder, he had a lot of uh, good horses on the farm. And and we try to go on. It's not easy, you know, <laughs> to, to, when you have a dad like that, it's not easy to, to maintain the speed he put there. Often, not the speed, but uh, all the thing he did there. But we try. We try with Freddie. We try our best to keep on going. So you've got the, that, those guiding principles and, and the studies is in robust shape. What are your biggest challenges now? What, what, what sort of preoccupies you? Well, uh, to find a stallion, that's what helped the stud to function. We need a good stallion. And, you know, when Anaba bearing, we lost all those horses uh, very quickly because, uh, well, they were getting old. Uh, in 2009, when Papa gave us the stud, uh, we had all those good stallions he had were, were gone. So uh, our goal is to try to find a stallion. And we've, we've been trying. Hard, but we've got young ones, and so uh, the time will tell. It's a little early. You need you need at least four or five years before you can say a stallion is good or not. And this is a champion horse who start from the beginning. But you know, when you see breeding, like for example, a horse like uh, Wooden Bassett, Wooden Bassett at the start nobody would use him, and then suddenly kicked on. But he, he needed three or four years to really become what he is today. So that's why we try to, to get some horses who would suit our mare. That's how we choose our horses. We've got a bunch of 20 mares. So what we do when we bring a stallion in, we try to see what function with our mares. And then we go. We try. And uh, you have to be patient huh, when you breed so, uh, but, you know, Antelo is doing very well and uh, the others, motivator, motivator, I won't say he's not doing well because he's, uh, I train traps from him. So, uh, so we, we're in good shape. We're coming up. And I want to talk a little bit about your, your newer stallion, Recolitos, who um, is going to have his first two-year-olds next year. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, well, I like him. I like his breeding. Whatever is by Whipper, and Whipper is not a fancy uh, stallions. I think he was a very good racehorse, and that's very for me as a stallion. It's very important to be a horse who can show that they've got ability. And Recoletos did. I mean, he, he, you know, he went to Group One and uh, he won the Moulin de Longchamp Prix d'Espagne. So that horse should make it. And. Uh, uh, his, his dam is very well bred. Uh, his dam is by I.S. Turner, who was one of our stallion also, who, who bred not fantastic horses, but very consistent. All his progeny were very sound. They were going racing, all of them, and they've won a lot of races. So 
that's another thing that's important in a in a stallion. And he's a very nice looking horse, and he stamps his progeny. So the sale, uh, we, we sold a few uh, in October, and of course there's some uh, who sold better than others, like everywhere. But um, I think that horse will make it. Cricket, you've you've trained so many great horses, uh, many of them from the stud. And now you're um, jointly with your your brother and sisters looking after the stud. Yes. Do you do you get as much satisfaction from this now as you did from from the training, or, or maybe more? <laughs> well, it's a bit different, <laughs> but uh, I do. You know, when I see, uh, for example, we've got a we, we bred on a farm a horse called Zelzal. And Zelzal is doing very well as a stallion. He's a young horse. He's got uh, his first yearling also. So, you know, those horses, they're coming on. So we're very happy to have uh, bred that horse. Uh, that horse, uh, he won a, a group. He won the Jean Prat, I think. My memory is going. But yeah, he won the Jean Prat, Zelzal. And Zelzal is a horse who was bred at Lekine by us for uh, one of our clients. So... You know, we try to, to do it's, it's nice to see them wins. And when uh, I look at the results for all over France or even in England and you see Motivator, over John Motivator is doing very well. He's had a group one winner here in France last year. That's his last group one for Le Kene. Uh, so, you know, it's a horse that we bred and raised on the farm. So it's, it's fun too. And it's different. It's not a trainer who's there every day and, uh, you know, you, you see your horses improving and when you go for a race and you win the race, it's a fantastic satisfaction for you because it's your work. There, it's a little more uh, slow, and but I love it. So for me, <laughs> there's no, when I see a horse from Lekene win, it's like uh, if I had win the race. <laughs> Cricket, thanks so much for talking to me. No, it's a pleasure. Uh, thanks to Cricket, to our hero, to all my guests today. Cornelius Lyser is still with me. And Cornelius, before I ask you for a tip, the amateur uh, national hunt racing um, sport, point to pointing, returns this weekend to the UK. It, it does indeed, with fixtures at Ottery St. Mary in Devon in the southwest of England. And importantly, for the first time for nearly two years in Wales at Flangynor. Um, 44 individual entries at Ottery St. Mary, where I'll be, 29 individual entries at Langynor. Um, and uh, an interesting contender at Ottery St. Mary, Cousin Pascal, in the ladies' open race there. Alice Stevens has been jocked up to ride Cousin Pascal. That was the horse that was successful to, for trainer Joe O'Shea in the Fox Hunters uh, chase at Aintree uh, last year. Started uh, last season's campaign on the 6th of December, a little bit earlier this time uh, around. So, um, yeah, point-to-pointing is often running for the new season in the UK, often running in, in Ireland as well. Um, a tip today. I thought I'd take you to Chepstow. I've heard a very good word, actually, for a horse that's a fair price, is a nephew of best mate, no less, called Dear Mark, number four in the 520 at Chepstow, trained by Sam Thomas, whose horse is in, in tremendous uh, form. So I just point out that that horse, I've heard sort of uh, a notable tip for it and very interesting breeding, makes its debut in the bumper there. But the tip is actually in the 450 at Chepstow. It's number eight, the Cincinnati Kid. Uh, this uh, is a horse um, who um, was pretty decent uh, on the flat, uh, is just getting going over hurdles. 
and written by Paddy Brennan. And I was talking to Paddy, uh, one of uh, Britain's veteran riders the other day. I said, I always note when you go to a fixture for just one ride and it's not for your boss, Fergal O'Brien. Am I right to always note this? And he said, uh, it is sometimes, he said, difficult to get motivated uh, to just go for one ride if you don't really fancy it. And the Cincinnati kid is his only ride at Chepstow today for Henry Oliver in the 450 race. Cornelius, thank you very much. Thank you for listening. That was Tuesday, the 26th of October. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.